people need ordering principles. Twelve rules. So hello, welcome to Twelve Rules for What. I haven't done that in a while. My name is Sam. Um, I'm joined by Alex. Hello. And we're here with Buster Two-Tone. Hello. Uh, hi. Uh, who's a Bristol-based activist. And of course, we're going to be talking about um, Tommy Robinson and the For Britain March, which is arranged for the 9th of April uh, in Bristol. It's not entirely clear to me what the overall strategic aim of the march is on their side, on, on the far right side. Um, but we're going to be talking, of course, mostly about like the history of that, um, of, of what, what's going on there, and also about what anti-fascists are doing in uh, response. So just to give you the, kind of the details of that, the, the plan for anti-fascists or the, the, the idea for anti-fascists is to assemble 11 a.m. on the 9th of April at the empty plinth of the Edward Colston statue, of course, which is famously torn down by um, the, um, yeah, a group of uh, protesters. The people uh, of Bristol. The people of Bristol, yeah, essentially. Like the, 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 the true spirit of Bristol <laughs> tore down this, uh, this, this statue. Um, very famously, very uh, yeah, kind of uh, mediagenically. And um, the far right have organized a march uh, slightly later in the day to come and kind of like protest against this tearing down of the statue. So I wanted to ask you as a first question, this strikes me as um, an extraordinary misstep, just a strategic, complete fuck up on the part of Tony Robinson, who we've all we've always thought of in on this 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 program. I think as as something of a more kind of strategically canny operator, someone who has been perfectly able to um, muster up crowds for all different kinds of occasions. Um, of course, circling around a, a collection of quite limited concerns, but nevertheless, in lots of different forms, partially for himself, partially uh, to whip up hatred against um, Muslims and so on. But this strikes me as extremely odd. What do you make of it as a as an action? Um, I think the, the interesting thing is, at the beginning, they advertised it as um, they were going to Bristol to celebrate Colston um, to, as one of Bristol's most famous sons, that was that's their exact wordings, or Anne Marie Walters' exact uh, wording, um, and to um, protest against Black Lives Matter, who uh, they said had you know um, been or there'd been some misuse of funds uh, through um, some crowdfunders around Black Lives Matter or the Bristol group that was called All Black Lives, which was basically a group of very young. Um, kind of first-time black activists who organised around the demonstration that actually led to the tearing down of Colston's statue. Um, <clears throat> since then, uh, For Britain and Tommy Robinson seem to have added uh, an element, um, and the element is that they're now uh, also protesting against monuments and statues being torn down and people not receiving the correct sentences, obviously in, in response to the Colston for getting off uh, and not getting charged with criminal damage, which was the original charge against them. Um, you know, we, we think that this is, you know, uh, you know a, a classic kind of misjudgment on their part because the idea of coming to Bristol to celebrate Colston, to celebrate the idea of a slave trader who made his money 
you know, off the slave trade, killed around about 19,500 people on his ships uh, and dumped their bodies in the sea, that any that this can in any way be celebrated is, uh, you know, has, has provoked a massive response, to be fair, since we've advertised the counter-demonstration. There's been a huge response and a very positive response at the disgusting idea that they can come to Bristol and celebrate Colston. Yeah, that's what seems so odd to me. The the idea that there would be anything to celebrate here um, mm. at all. Like, I can kind of understand the um, the angle uh, of there's the the sentencing wasn't harsh enough. I mean, I, I don't agree with it, obviously, but I can, I can understand why yeah. that would be a motivating factor for um, people on the far right to turn out to a demo. Um, there's obviously kind of a longer history here of anti-black racism. Yeah. on the UK far right. Rarely does it reach the point of actively defending slavery. Though. Rarely does it reach the point of saying slavery was actually good or slavery should have continued or something like that, which is kind of implicit in what the you know, For Britain and, and Tony Robinson are saying here. Um, yeah. And that's what I find so kind of startling, um, partially because Tony Robinson and all the things he's associated with, the EDL, of course, most prominently, are very much products of the war on terror. Right, they're the products of this kind of moment of, um, let's say, imperial management, because that's what it is, right? US-led imperial management, post-Cold War, 9-11 attacks have happened. There's a there's a shift towards essentially a neoconservative frame um, for kind of um, the, the structure of capitalism on a global scale. And that involves utilizing the rhetoric of liberal democracy against the barbaric, you know, quote-unquote, kind of uh, you know, hordes of uh, swarms of Muslims and so on, right? So, and, and, and the reason why it's successful and the reason why it's able to get beyond um, seeming like a classically racist or a classically fascist kind of project, even though I think it has lots of associations and lots of connections um, and lots of kind of resonance with those products, mm-hmm. um, nevertheless, the reason why it's able to, to escape to some extent the charge of being racist is because racism in that period is kind of is like understood as a basically kind of biological racism, and Muslims don't fit that that um, that charge. The, the objection to them is not that they are um, uh, biologically different, although of course there are variants of the far right at that time that do have this kind of biological basis, but that they are culturally um, absolutely other. Right, so they're going to clash of civilizations narrative rather than a uh, a biological hatred. Do you think we are now out of that period? I mean, maybe it's a huge question. I mean, I don't know if you want to get a succinct answer to that. But like, do you think we have now, in some ways, left the period of the war and terror, and that makes this action seem more sense? Have we kind of returned to an older, more biologically rooted form of racism that will propel the far right? Um, no, I don't think we have. Um, I think the the you know the war on terror, the uh, you know the clash of civilizations narrative that um, you know Tommy and all the these other groups are uh, kind of you know chime with is still there, and I think you know the the uh, the the sort of you know Robinson's campaign against uh, the you know so-called Muslim um, pedophile gangs, Muslim grooming gangs, um, is still a part of that, and it still you know chimes with with people uh, who. You know, forget, of course, that, you know, Tommy Robinson and his group have nothing to say about paedophiles uh, in the far right, about ped- white paedophiles in the wider community. You know, we could we could go through the list of uh, paedophiles that have been uh, associated with far right groups in the past uh, 
a few years. So he's he, he's but 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 this this particular campaign is 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 a shift, but I think it's a, a shift that that is is um, kind of motivated by a uh, opportunist attempt to sort of um, you know gather support around the whole statues, defending the statues, uh, wiping out British history. Uh, that kind of narrative, but of course, what it what it what they forget is that you know a lot of um, sort of people you know in the middle, um, you know people um, e- you know even the, the people that they appeal to to defend the statues, uh, sort of often draw the line at some of the more kind of uh, overt kind of racism that they are now kind of you know playing playing directly with this because. Um, you know, I think I think it's it's kind of incredible, really, that that they, you know, the things they're talking about are, you know, firstly, let's celebrate a, tra- a slave trader, you know, which uh, Bristol as a community rejected, uh, even though, of course, lots of people got confused and wanted to uh, sort of suggest that the protesters who pulled down the statue of Colston wanted to wipe out the history of Colston. Nobody wants to do that. In fact, we, you know, we, we want people to study the history of Colston. We want the history of Colston to be there, front and center, in any discussion about Bristol. You know, we don't want to wipe it out. We want it there. But what we don't want is is the celebration of Colston through statues that were supposedly put up by the citizens of Bristol, which was a lie. It was funded and put up by businessmen. Um, the idea that, you know, we had a, a music venue, a big music venue in the city named the Colston Hall. Of course, of course that has now changed its name to the Beacon. Um, but we've still got Colston's legacy all over the city. Um, and that needs to be addressed. So the idea that we're trying to change, you know, wipe out history is, is ridiculous. But you know the, the the next thing is is that you know when you listen to Anne Marie Walters talk about um, you know the current kind of state of things and the current campaigns, it, it's just laughable. I mean, she she in her last um, last video kind of address, uh, fifty five minutes of of uh, you know quite incoherent um, kind of discussion, but you know she talked about going to a football match and she talked about uh, seeing the you know no to racism uh, kind of messages at, at, at football matches, and she then made this huge leap into you know which of course parts of the far right have done, uh, which was that's the result of cultural Marxism, but also that is the result of you know the the state uh, and the FA and people involved with football wanting to accept mass immigration to this country and to wipe out British culture, which is in <laughs> an incredible, uh, 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 illogical, ridiculous leap. Um, but also, you know, I mean, anybody on on a, you know. Even, even you know, people that don't know that much about the politics of the situation realize that that campaign is not motivated by cultural Marxism, especially after what happened in the Euro Championships and the, the three young black players who then got massively abused for missing a penalty. You know, I mean, this 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 is the level of, of kind of ridiculousness that 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 they are peddling. But you know, of course, what we've got to be prepared for is that you know people will to some degree, maybe, will will accept their argument. But I, I don't think, you know, I think we we can combat that argument. We can show it for its its um 
you know, it's it's kind of a ridiculous kind of line of logic, which hasn't really got. And we can combat it because most people will not accept that kind of, you know, that overt biological racism as an argument, especially as our societies become much more kind of integrated. There are many figures from many different backgrounds who would these days you would you would argue are, you know, incredibly representative of what British culture is. This question about um, about history and, and wiping history is, is is a daft one. It's always, I think, for me, it's always about what history is told and 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 what parts of history is highlighted. And and you know, people are quite happy. We're quite happy with the, what people were objecting to, like you said, with the uh, the the highlighting of Colston's contribution to Bristol in quotes, and therefore, I suppose, Bristol's kind of position within the UK as a one of its main cities and a cultural hub and et cetera, et cetera, a kind of one with a history of, of trading and et cetera, without talking about what it was founded on, which was, um, you know, enslave, the enslaving of human beings and, and, and a mass uh, death uh, and abuse. Um, so, yeah, I, I find that an interesting one, but of course that doesn't really matter. Of course, they, they kind of really um, do want to celebrate Colston and that's what they're objecting to. Um, I just wondered, I had a question about, I suppose, Bristol. It's gone through a, quite a lot of, it was not just the kind of statue, um, the kind of quite successful statue and the, the acquittal of the, of, the, of the four people who were charged with its pulling it down, but it also had a really big kill the bill um, demonstrations which became riots. Um, and of course, there was a lot of repression that has gone into, has, gone, has, has followed that as well. How do you think Bristol has, like, Bristol's Bristol movements have have managed that kind of great uh, turmoil. Turmoil. I, th- I think it's it's been incredibly incredibly difficult. Um, I think the fallout from the kill the bill um, demonstrations and the people that uh, are, are, you know that got uh, arrested and charged and you know many have now been sentenced and the sentence have been extremely severe. You know the most severe sentences we've seen for you know, almost 30, 40 years for for riot um, or, you know, or various versions of that charge. And, you know, it's had, a, it's had a big impact. And, you know, part of, you know, the community here wonders whether, um, you know, For Britain and Tommy Robinson think that, you know, they're coming to Bristol at a time when, you know, the, the activist community is, is um, you know, has been pushed into the background and is scared because of, those demonstrations and the the uh, resulting kind of uh, sentencing there's been a huge amount of work that's gone into supporting those those people by the way you know the um um bristol defendant solidarity has, has been an amazing uh, has done an amazing job in trying to support those people um but of course you know those sentences have been huge and it has had a big effect and a big impact but you know, encouragingly, you know, there was a, a demonstration against the bill um, about five, six weeks ago, and over a thousand people turned up for that. So there is, you know, the, I mean, Bristol is a city, and this is, the, this is the point, really, going back to the history question. You know, it's not just that the city was built on the slave trade. It's also that the city is built on a history of, of activism, you know, activism that goes back 
uh, over centuries. And I think when, you know, for people who are interested, if you take a look at the Bristol Radical History Group's web website, you'll see much uh, material, many material, much um, work, pamphlets, uh, books that have been written there on that activist history. So it's it's there, you know, it's been there for, for hundreds of years, but um, it's this response to, um, you know, what is happening with Fall Britain and Tommy Robinson, I think will be, Will be will be large. That will be a big big turnout, and uh, I think they will be surprised at what happens. You know, at the, the response to their their event. Do you have a, an estimate of how many you think that the far right might get out? I mean, maybe maybe you don't. Do, do you have an estimate? Yeah, we're we're not sure because Full Britain have not done much on their own before. They've always been tacked onto other. Uh, activists or other groups events they've uh, Amory Walters has spoken at a lot of events that Tommy Robinson has been a part of and you know depending on the the kind of draw of Tommy really where you know he joined for Britain and he's now appealing to people that have supported his actions to come along then you know we're not sure we, we are preparing for you know a large amount to a small amount and anything in between it's difficult to judge um but, you know, the response will be there and will be, you know, I think there'll be plenty of people on the counter demonstration. Yes, I, I have no doubt. Um, just on the kind of the connections between Tony Robertson and Amory Waters, um, they were involved in Pegida UK, which was a kind of um, uh, ultimately German, uh, originally German um, kind of uh, street march movement. Uh, I think Pegida is an acronym for um, European Citizens Against the Islamization of Europe or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what it's an acronym for. Anyway, that was a kind of a model of large, slightly more kind of middle class than the EDL um, demonstrations that um, worked quite effectively in Germany, um, or at least were quite large in Germany, and then were kind of um, you know uh, exported basically to, to other countries around Europe. Um, failed miserably in the UK for reasons I think that are kind of perhaps kind of too detailed to go into now, but the um, but they definitely worked together before. Um, this is not their first meeting. Um, Amory Waters, you were saying that she hadn't done much on her own. Completely correct. Obviously, um, she recently stood in a by-election, um, uh, Spelton by Sea, I think it was. Forgotten the name. Um, Batley and Spen. Batley and Spen. Sorry about that. Um, and she got she got an entire ninety-seven votes, which is um, terrible, which is 0.3% of the vote. So, um, and Tony Robertson had had agreed to help her out and then basically didn't. So I think there's a kind of a fractious alliance there. Um, Tony Robertson is obviously the, the, the much bigger star on, on the UK far right. And so him throwing his weight behind for Britain, who are fanatically and have been seen fanatically as kind of an anti-Islam party, basically, an Islamophobic party, um, is quite a significant development. Uh, even though what Amory Waters is kind of famous for is, I think she was involved in a group called Sharia Watch UK. Um, she was involved in another group, um, like various kind of anti-Sharia law groups, like and for, from a long time ago as well. Despite being, and this is quite kind of unusual on the UK far right, being an agnostic, right? So she's her 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 anti her Islamophobia is not motivated principally by um, Christian identity, um, not Christian identity in the American sense, but Christian identity more kind of generally. Um, she seems like, and this is again kind of links us back to the war on terror. She seems like the kind of the, the person who has engaged in the least subtle way with like neoconservatism, um, with the kind of the, the the hard state that suppresses uh, the minorities um, in favor of a kind of a a notion of kind of a muscular liberal democracy or something like that. So she's a kind of a complex character, but she also seems um, genuinely quite fanatical and genuinely quite incompetent on her on her own. 
what do you think Tommy Robertson sees in For Britain? Um, well, that is a very, very good question um, because you know you you would look at their you know her ability to kind of you know develop as an electoral force seems to be um, severely sort of problematic. Um, you know, given that the that by election result and given um, her you know attempts to to sort of develop uh, this group into into some kind of uh, electoral force. Um, it's an it's an odd odd one. I think he, you know, for some reason he has seen something in her over the years where he's tried various things to partner up with her on on various kind uh, of like Pegida and like the you know the anti Sharia law stuff, the gays against Sharia, all of these little um, uh, kind of you know movements. But it's it's not it's not not worked particularly well. And in fact, I, you know, so I'm I'm struggling to see why he has linked up with her. Given that you know, probably the most effective he's been is with um, the DFLA. You know, so it's it's um, you know his kind of you know his appeal to kind of hooligan groups seem to seem to be more uh, you know um, or has, has done him better than than these these other things. And and obviously the the um, you know the film he's making about the grooming gangs has you know drew. Sort of twelve, thirteen hundred people to Telford. Um, so you know, I, I, I'm I'm really struggling to see what the what the appeal is, um, and um, I wonder, you know, if he will turn up at this event. I wonder if he will actually, you know, come to this event. Um, it seems uh, an odd marriage and an um, <laughs> one that I think we're all scratching our heads about. Really, he does have form for this as well. Robin, Robinson has previously promoted particularly some of the statue defender stuff promoted events and then not 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 turned up to them and you know he's he's quite comfortable um you know doing that getting on his telegram account and 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 blasting this out and then disavowing it later or distancing himself later so this is this is not new for him i I wondered what you think of um his robinson's kind of looking at looking back on his deplatforming from these major social media platforms um what do what do you think of 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 that as a as a as an effect, as effective way of, of of shutting him down because it seems to me that he has built this following on telegram he's probably not going to go anywhere on telegram there's, there's far more extreme voices on that platform um and telegram has taken this kind of quite free speech position um so yeah what do you think about those um platforms now um I mean, I, th- I think ultimately there's there's always a, another platform that will host um, these groups. There's always another platform that will provide a, a space for them. It's it's you know more more you know why they why they find an appeal. You know why Robinson and why um, other um, figures like him will find an appeal at the moment. And I think. You know, we we have this kind of situation where you know everybody's an expert, everybody can uh, give an opinion, and you know, in a way, you know, I think the 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 thing that we we all need to do is is to be putting forward alternatives, alternative arguments to, you know, be um, involved in activism that actually changes what pe- the way people think, rather than uh, focus too much on um, deplatforming. Um, figures like Tommy Robinson, because you know it's it's you know an example would be the the uh, statue defenders. You know the idea that of defending the statues. Um, 
you know, what what's the best way to actually engage with people who've, who've um, gone to the statues to defend them? You know, yes, there's always a hard core that will will not um, be uh, swayed by any any argument, but actually. You know, getting involved in, you know, those communities, being a part of those communities, you know, whether it's uh, being involved with football uh, uh, culture and all the rest of it, that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's ways and means of talking to these people, changing the and changing the, um, the focus. And I think, you know, that's, that's what activists should be doing, as well as, you know, things about deplatforming is really, you know, thinking about the wider culture and how we engage with it and how we kind of get people involved with the ways that we do things and the ideas that we have. In reference to the kind of the the football hooliganism, basically as a, as a kind of a, a backbone, um, when there were these statue defender protests in 2020, um, after uh, Black Lives Matter kind of um, you know, had a kind of uprising in in, in the US uh, and then came to the UK, um, there was a kind of response from the far right. Tony Robertson, uh, this is one of the times when he uh, said that he would come along and then didn't. Um, gave a genuinely i would say like bordering on fascists kind of openly like fascist speech um declared that he that we must um light a spark that would blaze for a thousand years which um if you want a piece of kind of classic fascist rhetoric that's it um and then didn't turn up to the demo and said that he couldn't come for some obscure reason i forget exactly why um but the um but the people who did turn up to that demo were often much more in like hardcore football hooligans um, and quite a lot of them were, were kind of openly neo-Nazis, right? Um, that's not a term I throw around lightly. Um, that's not a term I, I kind of like call everyone. I don't think Tony Robertson is a neo-Nazi. I don't think Amory Waters is a neo-Nazi. You know, I don't think you know, most people are neo-Nazis on the far right, but these people uh, kind of kind of were. And they had a proper fight with the police, right? They had a, like a, a really intense uh, like fight directly in Whitehall um, with the Met Police. And um, that went very badly for them. Um, we also, went, we also went very badly for the police, but it, it, it definitely went badly for them because lots of them were arrested. Lots of them were um, put in jail, basically, for, for various kinds of um, disorderly conduct. And um, is that... And, and, and one of the ways in which I think about the kind of the, the wider context here about what Tony Robinson might be trying to do is hedging off a kind of threat from a much more hardcore group of people than the EDL ever were, which is namely patriotic alternative. And so the question is like, how does the uh, is Tony Robertson trying to by doing this quite explicitly racist demo? Is he trying to hedge off the threat that he sees to his own position from patriotic conservative, or alternatively from the much more kind of hardcore football hooganism who really wants something very, very, very intense to happen? And Tony Robertson's kind of um, mixture of uh, kind of quote unquote citizen journalism and um watching films and kind of getting angry and doing you know kind of very relatively conventional marches just isn't kind of going cut or any, cut it anymore right is, is he kind of giving them something yeah i think to a degree i mean i think it, it's it's no secret that um you know patriotic alternative are kind of you know growing and developing and, and developing a kind of um you know, a, a fairly kind of hardcore um, kind of cadre of, of, of activists. Um, but of course, they're not doing anything particularly in the open. You know, they're appearing at events, but not as patriotic alternative events, as public events. 
Um, so, you know, he's he's definitely trying to pull people maybe away from that. But he's 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 but with with this particular action, he's he's appealing to the hardcore. And what will be interesting is whether the the kind of outer reaches of his his kind of audience will come come to this event. You know, we'll 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 see it as an opportunity to, you know, have a go at, at the woke left and uh, you know the woke anarchists. You know, possibly they they might they might have have that in their mind, but how far will they be swayed by the you know more overt kind of racist message in this? So he's 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 treading a line between kind of polarizing the larger section of his audience, but appealing to the more hardcore elements. And I'm not sure people will be that convinced by that because, you know, patriotic alternative are, you know, developing an audience, a group of activists, and maybe that's where the appeal for the more hardcore fascists are at the moment. In terms of the football hooligans, I don't think they're, they're that attracted to patriotic alternative. Um, you know, and how attracted they'll be to this i'm not not entirely sure you know but we will see um so i think he's he's the, the danger is he'll polarize his audience um and the the softer kind of racist element or the soft, softer kind of hooligan element might not show for this or might not show in the large numbers that he anticipates oh uh, we've got, got i've got a comment more on the question actually Classic. i think this um i think this kind of invocation this mention you make of of the the work the work agenda is actually really key here. And it's like, we often have these kind of waves of kind of reactionary big ideas that kind of float through, you know, political currents has gone mad or cancel culture or the work wars or whatever. And it's all basically talking about the same thing, which is like kind of alliance of like liberal, socialist, communist, Marxist, lefty people who are controlling the culture and making it unacceptable to say or do certain things and unacceptable to be certain identities like uh, English you know, it's illegal to be English nowadays, for example. Um, and I wonder also if Bristol has been selected, not just because of the Colston issue, which is obviously the main driving factor for this demonstration, but also because it is Bristol and it is a kind of like lefty bastion. And and there's similar reasons for the, the way March for England went to Brighton every year for three or four years. Um, they're coming They're coming to have, a, have it out with um, the work left or whatever. Yeah, I think I think that's that's very very possible and probable. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, Bristol has has continued to to be the focus of that kind of attention. And of course, if you if you take a look at the Bristol Post, which is the Bristol kind of you know local paper, and you see the comments kind of section around what happened with the Colston Four around the kill the bill protesters and the sentences they've got if you say um uh that's a, a horrendous sentence you know five and a half years for you know standing next to and pushing a wheelie bin that was on fire next to an empty police van that was on fire um you will get huge amounts of comments uh from attacking the idea that um you know these people should um, uh, exist or have the the right to um, you know to to run around and and so 
you know that there, there is uh, you know they they know that uh that bristol has this this tradition but also they know that there is you know there are groups of people within bristol who are very anti and will come out and and uh, um express their disgust at what the the supposed woke um left have, have done and they're trying to appeal to that group who um, will say, you know, we're getting rid of we're getting rid of history. We're trying to, you know, make it illegal to be white and English. Of course, that's that's absolute rubbish, you know. But but this is this is the stuff that they're trying to appeal to that that audience that will, um, you know, respond to that. And um, you know, I th- it, again, it will be interesting to see, you know, how many people do respond to this because you know, I'm I'm not sure that it's going to be the huge sort of demonstration that they anticipate. But, you know, we'll see. I think even if it isn't, then the stakes are really quite high for the relationship between uh, bits of the far right. If this proves a success, and a success here would be basically, I think, something like they would be able to have their demo, right? That would be a success for them. Um, And they get a relatively large number of people to do that. Um, If that happens... And I think there is there is a danger of the the far right, which has been kind of confused and like complicated and fractious in the last few years, always is to some extent. But nevertheless, I think it's been a particularly kind of um, wobbly or strange few years for the far right. It may well give them a kind of a new lease of life, and so the anti-fascist response here is is absolutely crucial. Um, obviously, the kill the bill stuff uh, has been happening in Bristol, but like. How is the kind of the anti-fascist movement happening in, in Bristol? What are the kind of the, what's the kind of the state of that? Um, well, I think I think like uh, you know it's it's interesting you know the whole lockdown situation um, you know the kill the bill demo the cost and fall all of this has had an impact to some degree on on kind of activism but um, you know I think the interesting thing is that um, you know there's there's beginning to be a kind of you know a kind of reformation a re kind of uh, um, uh, emergence of activists and people you know that are involved in these these areas and these movements and um, you know I'm kind of quite optimistic about the the next few years and I think you know this this mobilization is really really important on the 9th of April to um, you know one to to put a marker in 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 the sand about you know where anti-fascism but also where anti-racism is actually in 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 uh, bristol and you know what in the wider country because you know i think it's clear that um you know this this uh, counter demonstration is not just going to be an anti-fascist counter demonstration it's an anti-racist counter demonstration that's going to appeal to a large number of people and you know the interesting thing of course is that you know over the 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 last uh, few years you know that the the whole sort of uh, you know the the tv series the bbc tv series about kind of anti-fascist activists you know and the, the statement you're either anti-fascist or you're not you know in in the in the the drama series you know which which is interesting because the bbc are putting that drama series on and yet uh, the media will always portray anti-fascists as being sort of uh, you know, black clad, uh, hood wearing, mask wearing, kind of, you know, um, uh, kind of violent thugs. And of course, you know, the response to anti-fascist messaging more recently has been people saying, I'm anti-fascist, putting up a, an anti-fascist, anti-fascist banner on their social media. And that, you know, being anti-fascist is actually a positive thing. 
you know, it's a really important message to get across that anti-fascism is something that, you know, a much wider community could be, should be involved in. So I'm kind of positive that that this event and the uh, the build up to it and the information around it will will help kind of, you know, uh, the reemergence of anti-fascism as well as as uh, and with the wider anti-racism. That's really good to hear. I'm glad, very glad to hear it. Um, well, you're glad to hear that uh, Buster is optimistic. I'm glad to hear you're optimistic, and I'm glad to hear that, that people are getting the message that anti-fascism could be a positive thing. And I'm glad to hear that there's like a wider community of people getting involved in anti-fascism. And I'm glad to hear that there is a connection being made between anti-fascism and anti-racism. Yeah, those are all good things. Um, I so the, the, for, as to the kind of the the vibe of the the anti-fascist demo or the counter demo. Um, are you? It's not a black block affair. I'm assuming. No. no, no, right? Okay. So, so what? How? What? What? If people are coming for the first time, what should they do? How should they prepare? And so on. Okay. Um. I mean, it's 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 a wide counter mobilization. Uh, we're trying to get uh, a number of people involved. We're we're thinking of um, getting um, ten huge photographic images of people that we feel should be celebrated, Bristolians who should be celebrated, who've done something extraordinary or been you know, incredible activists over the, over the years, over the centuries. And we're going to, going to try and kind of promote the idea that instead of uh, celebrating Colston, we should be celebrating other types of figures. So we hope that people will get involved in that. And that um, you know, should hopefully be uh, getting, some, um, getting some information about that over the next um, few, uh, the next week. Um, but also people should come expecting, you know, some, uh, you know, a loud kind of counter protest. Uh, there'll be a PA, there'll be some music, there'll be a lot of, uh, um, you know, singing and chanting. Um, and there will be, you know, some people will choose to come in black block, uh, you know, will choose to wear stuff. People should, you know, choose to think about, you know, masking, you know, because of COVID also, you know, um, because that's that's still still out there. Um, and, you know, we, we will expect a, a very lively, very mixed uh, uh, kind of um, uh, counter demonstration. I think, you know, that is a place where people will begin to talk to each other, will begin to experience what, you know, a lively counter demonstration will look like. And, you know, uh, we, we will obviously, you know, be there with the idea that we don't want to move away from the uh, plinth and we don't want to let Anne-Marie Walters get anywhere near it to give a speech as she said, she would give a speech from the empty plinth. So, um, so <laughs> that's <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Wow. Um, so, so we we are we will hope that people will there will be a huge number of people that will just prevent that from happening. You mentioned this is a this is not like an anti-fascist demonstration solely. There's a coalition of of groups uh, involved in organising it. Who are some of the other groups that are involved? Um, well. There's there's a, a wide variety of groups uh, and activists and people that have been involved in um, demonstrations and, and activism over the over the, the years really. So everything from um, uh, base the social centre in in Bristol, the Anarchist Social Centre, through to um, uh, green activists, ecological activists, um, the you know, activists that are, are doing solidarity with the Kurds in, in Rojava, uh, through to um, anti-racist activists, um, you know, community groups across Bristol, 
uh, trade union uh, uh, branch groups. Um, so we're, we're involving a huge number of people and a huge number of organizations. So, yeah, that's the intention is to get this, you know, as a wider mobilization as possible from those people who are anti-fascist and anti-racist. Is there, so if people are coming for the first time, um, which I assume some people will be, yeah. right? Um, should they just turn up? Mm. Or is there someone they should talk to in advance or some sort of affinity groups they should go with? Or like, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, some some groups will be organizing in, in uh, affinity groups. Um, but um, people who are turning up for the first time, if they, you know, they come to the, get to the plinth for 11 a.m., there will be, people there there'll be a large number of people there and they you know can start to talk to people about what uh, to expect and um how to how the the events uh, may unfold so um you know obviously I'm not, not being that specific about it because i think um you know the, the the main thing for people to do is to turn up at 11 to get there early and to then take part in the activities that that kind of happen after that and to talk to people there you know the main thing to do is to come to you know be prepared to to be um you know vigilant and to be resolute in in what what you do to make sure that the um you know for britain and tommy robinson don't get anywhere near the plinth but also just to start talking to people straight away and communicate and and you know ask questions about what what they should do no just a, a final question or maybe not how many questions? I can't remember how many questions you've got left, but you know, Bristol, you know, for all that's happened in the last few years, is a is a quite an. It's not easy city to organise in, but it's got like this, like you said, this long history of of radical activism and anti fascism, mm. and it's got this big wide base of 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 of, of the left, I suppose, um, in the city. Uh, in other places, it's not the case, you know. Telford, there was like one thousand. Tommy Robinson got one thousand people. Mm. It was basically unopposed apart from a very small counter demonstration yeah um looking at this in kind of a i suppose a national a uk-wide context how do you think we can start i think this was a problem with the anti-fascist network in some respects an issue that people never really overcome was the kind of how do we build movements in places where the left isn't already strong do you have any thoughts about that um yeah i mean there's there's uh um you know, there's a difference between uh, kind of, you know, militant anti-fascism and a wider kind of, you know, community of kind of anti-fascists and anti-racists. Um, and building that community is all about kind of activities, uh, uh, community events, um, uh, you know, meetings, you know, hard work in the community. And the only way to build is is to kind of engage with events that are happening, engage with, uh, you know, w- what you know what exists i mean you know there's always you know trade union groups there's always uh, uh community groups where activists that if they are doing something positive they can um get in involved in those groups and they can start to influence people and build a community so i'm afraid you know that there is no easy answer apart from the hard work of being involved in community activism and that is where people start to kind of believe in and trust what you're doing and if you start to do that, then you start to build a community of, of trust and a community of people that will get involved in what you're doing. And, you know, some of those people will go towards 
uh, anti-fascism and the more kind of organized forms of anti-fascism that we we know and some of those people will will be you know um you know involved in in sort of uh, educational activities or community activities be you know anti-racism or you know and they will they will begin to build that so um in those areas where there's very little happening i'm afraid you know it's it's going to take you know a few activists to start something and once they start that they can see you know they will see the benefits of it but um it will take time thank you so much for coming i think that is our last question actually uh, I don't know if there's one more you want to ask, Alex, but thank you very much uh, to to you for um, helping us out here. Um, any last things you want to say? Um, just, you know, that um, I really hope, uh, you know, people who listen to this podcast will turn up um, in Bristol. They will, all of them. Yeah, on the 9th of April, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, because it's going to be, a re- as you said, it's going to be a really important day for anti-fascism and anti-racism in this cu- country and a really, you know, good marker about, you know, w- the way that people respond to this kind of uh, provocation, which is what, what it is. It's a, it's a provocative event by Amory Walters and by Tommy Robinson. And, uh, you know, we need to respond to it uh, with, you know, a very organised, militant and, you know, large counter demonstration. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed that, then you can go over to Patreon, where we now have a whole bunch of more premium episodes and essays and other things like that. We're also starting a book club for people who want to get more into this stuff. You can read along with us. We'll talk about it. We'll have regular Zoom calls. It'll be great fun. And on the higher tier, we'll even send you a copy of our two books when they drop. That's patreon.com slash 12 rules for what. All the support we get means a lot to us and it really does help us grow this project. And thanks a lot for listening again and I'll see you very soon. Silver Threads, Still Walking, Still Waking is co-hosted by me, Carla Bergman. And me, Eleanor Goldfield. This is where we interview long-term organizers and radicals about their watershed moments, what they've learned along the way and how they maintain their hope on this path dreaming and building emergent worlds for a present and future anchored in justice and freedom for all. Because there are forks in the road, but they all lead us home to the fight, to the build. Rules. <laughs> <laughs>